Well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for life to make sense. I'm waiting for the season to slow down. I'm waiting, so I'm going to sit down. Although you can't see me. I'll move back. We're waiting to see you. (laughs) I've been deep into a book that you all will hear a lot more about because the author is coming to Tulsa and we're in the midst of um, actually working out the details of having him come and speak um, at Hope, actually having a book signing. But uh, the title should be enough to resonate with you, which is, When One Religion Isn't Enough. (laughs) Which I think... uh, is another way of saying Unitarian Universalist. (laughs) You've heard me talk about this struggle of, wait, they give us six sources that we have to somehow make sense of and and speak with integrity about. And uh, lately, I've been increasingly overwhelmed by that charge. How to not be a dilettante. And have found... uh, So the author is Dwayne Bidwell... And uh, he was a a professor at Phillips and was one of my professors. In fact, I took, when I first started seminary, I was just dipping my toe in. And he's such a great teacher that I took every course of his that I could take. And then once I realized I wanted an MDiv, I was like, oh, I was supposed to be taking all these other things. And then used up all my extra credits. Like, could have had a V8. But um, (laughs) I want to talk about this because... um, he talks about we we talk a lot about truth and he's been reading scholars and non-scholars and talking to people about how they know what is true and he talks about three different ways that we have religious truths one of them is assertive and you heard that in the reading that Elka did of Luke Uh, Jesus is Lord, our Savior. It's an assertion, a truth that some people accept and believe in and use to mark their life. And then there is an exhibitive or aesthetic truth. And that occurs, which is why we sing and stand and have this absolutely beautiful space to be in because we believe in a truth that isn't we aren't able to put into words a logic of why we are moved by this particular space or this particular song that you sing or a dance or uh, our, our transcendentalists and Schleiermacher who said, pay attention to nature, pay attention to what's happening in your body. And the last, so there's assertive truth, aesthetic truth, and the last is active truth those actions you take. You're sick and someone is on your doorstep with soup. That's action. Or as Diane's story said, you know, we we respond out of our understanding that you standing in front of me are a valuable human being, so I say thank you. That's a truth of action. 
that I value those outside of me. So I want to think about that. Uh, the other reason, when one religion isn't enough, I'm sure that you know today is this wonderful mashup of um, two different traditions that aren't Bible-based, by the way, of Hanukkah. There is a story to Hanukkah, but the lighting of candles, and this is not called a menorah, even though that's what we all call it. It's called a, no, I can't even pronounce it, uh, Hanukkah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, the menorah is the candle that was burning in the temple when the temple was um, ransacked and turned into a temple for Zeus. And then the Maccabees, trying to get the temple back, found the menorah, which is an oil lamp, not candles. Um, and the candle burned miraculously, an assertion, right? Miraculously for eight days. Which is like thinking about, you know that little bar when you know your phone's going to die? <laughs> Imagine you know, that the, and your phone tells you, you only have three more seconds of time, but miraculously your phone battery lasts for eight days. It's that kind of miracle. But then the Jews turn it into action. Let's honor that telling of our story and light candles for eight nights. The middle candle, yeah, you're counting. Wait, there are nine. That's the candle upon which, with which you light the others. And what I like about Hanukkah and what's... Um, not an innovation is that it's about light and candles as the world is getting darker metaphorically and pragmatically as the sun sets earlier and earlier and rises later and later. But there are two themes in Hanukkah I want us to lift up and that is gratitude, our theme for the month. And I'm asking us to consider being grateful for waiting. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. And, gratefully, religious traditions and others give us ways to wait and have waiting be an active thing, not some lacunae, black hole in the middle of our existence. So that waiting in the grocery store line is not like, Come on, people, get your stuff. It's a moment, a valuable moment in your life that we tend to dismiss, where really the whole world shows up if we pay attention. So we're going to talk about being grateful for waiting, and one way is to have rituals that mark that waiting. So, and I want you to know that there are... Um, Unitarian Universalist churches where there are enough people who identify as Jewish um, they light menorahs that are not menorahs <laughs> um, during Hanukkah so today at sunset is the first night of Hanukkah 
It today also happens to be the first Sunday of Advent. And there are a lot of Unitarian Universalist churches that identify primarily as Christian and have an Advent wreath and candles on their, they would call it an altar, and light them each Sunday. But once again, notice light, candles. We like to think that our religious traditions are bound and clean and um, the word that Dwayne Bidwell uses in his book is monogamous and anyone who knows anything about human history or their own life experience knows you're influenced by your neighbor and your circumstance and what calls your name and you can't help but borrow a little this and a little that or or it's a more odious kind of um, pushing down with authority. You are going to change your religion because now the official religion is. And so people are forced to adopt a religious tradition. But in their homes, they secretly may light an Advent candle even though they're required to be something else. The Jews in Spain kept their Jewish traditions going even though they were all required to convert to Catholicism. So the mixing of more religion, when one religion is not enough, is forced on people. But we are resilient and we find ways to make sense. Um, one of the definitions, so again, this is about uh, waiting, waiting for the birth of Jesus. We'll mark each Sunday before Christmas. And then it becomes even more elaborate. We'll use it to have each Sunday mean hope, peace, love, faith. One of the best definitions I saw of waiting is that waiting is the settled reality that we are not in control. That resonated with me because I want control over everything. And when you want control, it again makes that time of waiting a void rather than rich and something to be valued. Waiting can be a nurturing time. So I'm asking us to consider being grateful for waiting, that it's a time to prepare. A lot of Advent um, texts and meditations are about this is preparing, preparing yourself for a birth, anyone who has anyone who is a parent and has awaited the birth of a child knows you are madly preparing mentally, physically, oh I'm gonna paint a, a, a room the right color, whatever. Oscar Wilde talked about the tainted glory of humanity that even when we're impatient and untrusting because we're going to be none of this is going to be perfect 
We can wait and hope it will be a rich time and make use of it and become aware and then we'll forget and be busy and want to speed because we have to get somewhere. And But when we become more patient and trusting, when we trust, then we make room for, allow room for mistakes. There's no perfection. Sometimes waiting is waiting about perfection. This moment isn't good enough. The next one is going to be the perfect one. This month isn't right, but next month. The new year, 2019, that'll be better. The... There's a saying, sometimes I go about pitying myself when all the while I'm being carried by great winds across the sky. When we trust, making waiting a moment of trusting that the universe will keep going, that we will get what we need. So you might consider setting out some candles and using them to, to wait, to wait with open-heartedness. Or find some other way of waiting. I use the red lights to stop in my car and know I'm stopped and pay attention. Even though what I really want to do is pick up my phone. <laughs> and I've been caught doing that. Because I'm stopped, why can't I look at my phone? And then the person behind me honks, and I'm like, (laughs) I'm embarrassed. So may you find gratitude for all the times that you'll be waiting this month before Christmas and help your children and grandchildren and yourself find that there is a richness in this waiting, a deep richness. Don't throw it away. Don't throw waiting away. May we be grateful for waiting. May it be so. We give away our plate. This month, it is going to the Center for Individuals with Physical Challenges. This is a great organization. Give generously. 